Yeah, I think we should jump right in. Um, we have Harbin here tonight, so I'm very excited for him to share with us. Um, can we just give him a warm round of applause, please? Amen. Just want to say thank you to the worship team. I really appreciate what you guys do and the effort you put in. Yeah. Cool. Harbin. You can just, you can take your mic. I don't think there's a need to change the atmosphere, amen. There's no difference between preaching and singing songs. When you sing songs, you also preach, particularly tonight. Thank you, worship team, for singing half my sermon. <laughs> but it's, uh, it, yeah, it, it wasn't mine to begin with. It's, uh, it's wonderful when you download, download the same stuff from heaven. It's also, also always, always an encouragement to a congregation because it means you don't have to sit here for another hour listening to the same lyrics spoken by me. So I think God has already done what he wanted to do, if I'm very honest with you. God has said what he already wanted to say to many of us. But um, I do sense it's appropriate and it's good to open the word of the Lord and to just dive into some of the scriptures that he gave me. Oh, picture. Is this a picture? Okay, great, thank you. Okay, thank you. Just to, you know, just to make sure that for those of you who are less musically inclined, maybe, to make sure that we hear the word without being put to a melody, you'll be glad to hear that I won't sing my sermon to you. Well, at least, uh, that's not my plan, but the Holy Spirit might decide differently. It has happened before. But I wanted to ask um, KB to, to be back on the stage. She's a bit confused as to why, I'm sure. It's not to sing, KB, but I really sensed uh, there was something around your voice tonight that the Lord spoke through. And also, the um, same with Pete, so a particular anointing on the two of you. And um, so, this whole thing you just sang at the end was basically... you. You sang what I felt in my heart to prepare for tonight around 2, 2 Timothy 1, the first couple of verses of first chapter of 2 Timothy. If you want to look it up so long, it will also be on the screen. And um, because you were actually singing around somebody that could have been Paul and somebody that we could take an example in and... Uh, to follow in terms of his life's attitude. And he was in severe suffering. He wrote a letter to Timothy while being in prison. And uh, so can I ask you, uh, KB, to read the first two verses for us, just out loud. And, and you're welcome to join. In fact, why don't we stand as we listen and read from the Holy Scriptures? I think that's always appropriate. Uh, why should I be the only one standing while, while, while we read the Scriptures? It's just something in the in the body posture that changes in your listening abilities as well, in your brain when you, when you stand up and stand to attention. Just the first two verses. Speak. Yeah, yeah you don't have to sing. That's fine. Too much pressure. Paul, an apostle, apostle of Jesus Christ, Christ by the will of God, according, according to, to the, the promise, promise of life, life which is in Christ Jesus, Jesus. to Timothy, Timothy a beloved son, grace, 
mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And then I love the next heading, Timothy's Faith and Heritage. It is Heritage Day today. And I was struggling a little with, with that this morning. Um, and actually yesterday when I prayed about it. Because I was born in the Netherlands, but I feel very much South African, much more than I've ever felt being Dutch. Um, for that reason, I primarily have dressed in some kind of African print with a little bit of orange underneath. <laughs> just to promote my favorite soccer team. Um, but um, but then I, I thought, let, let me do a word study on, um, on heritage. Just in the dictionary, starting there. And uh, I actually found out something that I really didn't know, that heritage is about intangible things. It's actually not about the tangible. It's actually not about the cultural things that we make it to be often. And so I should not have had this struggle. I should have actually first, um, you know, get an understanding of what heritage means. It's intangible. It's about, heritage is about ideals. The Greek word for heritage um, in Ephesians actually speaks of, refers to ideals like freedom and moral standards and knowledge. Those, those are the things that we're supposed to celebrate when we talk about heritage. So, and of course, that comes with an expression, and this is the outward expression. But the celebration that we have as a heritage in Christ Jesus and the inheritance from Jesus, which is actually the tangible things, eternal life and a whole bunch of other things, life in abundance, but the heritage we have being positioned in South Africa in Christ Jesus is very much around the God's purposes, God's ideals, the knowledge of Christ, the mind of Christ that we're supposed to activate. And so I was very encouraged when I saw this, Timothy's faith and heritage. So let's move on to the next couple of verses. I thank, thank God, God whom, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And, and I, I am persuaded, is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yes, and that's, that's the heritage I'm speaking about. That is the heritage. And that is, it speaks of Paul having a controlled lifestyle. He, he, is, he says that without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers, greatly designed to see you, being mindful. There's a, uh, when I call to remembrance, so it's like there's a will, there's a determination in Paul's life to, to have this control over his mind, his mindset on Christ, his mindset on the things that could encourage a brother and therefore an entire congregation, an entire city, and the whole uh, area around where Timothy was ministering. Let's move on to the next part. Not ashamed of the gospel. Therefore, do, do not, not be ashamed, ashamed of the, the testimony, testimony of, of our Lord, Lord nor of, of me, his prisoner, 
but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Can you hear that? He's not just controlling his mind and in that way becomes an encourager from prison, evangelizing from prison. Would you like to sign up? But he's also so confident. Nevertheless, those, the word choice there is so weighty. There's so much confidence in the middle of tough times. I mean, it can't get much tougher than in Romans times being imprisoned. I've been to Rome. I've been to Paul's prison. I, I've, I've stood there where he... It's, it's just, it's, 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 not a, it's not a joke to be imprisoned by the Romans. I mean, if you read up a little bit of what these dudes and dudettes would do to you, it's quite... The, the, the control and the confidence is remarkable. We, we need to learn our lessons here today, Holy Spirit. Let's read on and finish this, this chapter, or well, t- till, till verse 14. Hold fast the pattern Patterns of sound words which you have heard from me, in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Amen. Thank you guys for reading. You can take your seats. Some of you already did. You got tired. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I am always humbled, Father. Standing here makes me realize I'm nobody special to be able to share other than that you did speak to me about, about the things that we read in your word. So Lord, help me to unpack this so it becomes practical tools in our hands for daily living. Help me, Lord, to find words that are not displaying big and complicated concepts, but bring it to my brothers and sisters in a way Jesus would have to the best of my ability, in Jesus' name. Amen. And pray for me if you feel that that is not happening. Right there where you seated, intercede. I've, I've entitled this message um, in, in this series of Faith for Tough Times. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. This title was given to me, that's the theme of the whole day. And then when I got it, I immediately something went, in, went wrong into my, in my spirit, or rather my stomach almost. I went, the tough get going. And it's because I was reminded of a song, because I'm that old, that I remember songs from the mid-80s. And there's this Billy Ocean song. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Okay, yeah, most of you. It's like, spoo. <laughs> It's a, oh, thank you for your one and a half applause. Yeah, that's great. great. 
appreciate it. Um, I took note who that was. I'll give you a free CD. <laughs> this, this expression comes from the, the, the father of uh, J.F. Kennedy, actually. He, he used that expression for the first time, and it was like a real American thing, you know. You know, you need to toughen up from the inside. Find that inner strength, that fortitude. Nice word. Yeah, it's a cool word, huh? Yeah. Don't really know what it means, but it's just a great word to, to pronounce. Find that fortitude and, you know, get into self-help programs and whatever you have to do, just, you know, either get over it or work through it or inner strength, your inner man, because we can do it. And all the way to Obama. Yes, we can. You know, I won't talk about the current uh, presidency, uh, not tonight. Um, but so, and, and the whole world actually took that. It was a, that was a real, like, like a real, come on, toughen up. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. You need to stay tough and just push through. You're going to make it, come on. Anyway, that is not what my Bible says at all. When the going gets tough, please be weak, fall to your knees. And embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. Boast in your weaknesses. Don't boost your weaknesses. Uh, it's only one letter difference, but it's a hugely different lifestyle and a different philosophy of life. If you want to always cover up your weaknesses and you know, appear strong, then it means God can never get the opportunity to be strong where you are weak because you never actually boast in your weaknesses. And the whole world out there is wired and organized to boast your weaknesses, not to help you to boost. Uh, sorry, the other way around. To boost your weaknesses, not to help you to boast in it, because that's a sign of weakness. So all your courses you can do there, if you have a weakness in accounting, and, and it is apparent, and people, people see that, and, uh, or maybe even your husband or your wife or your girlfriend, and uh, maybe you should do this course, maybe. But as good reborn Christian brothers and sisters, and uh, lovers of the word, we should actually, I should actually, if, if Mika would be very bad at accounting, which she isn't because of her personality, is very organized. Um, but if I'm, if I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm a good husband, I would, I would encourage her to boast in that weakness and so that God can come through and the testimony and the glory can be of the Lord and can go back to God. But this is not how the world is wired at all. So there, there is... Here in this portion of Scripture, Paul doesn't, doesn't complain about his situation at all. He just, he doesn't, there's nothing in here that actually, if I were Paul, I would definitely not write in this controlled, confident, and overly committed way. But he, he feels to do it because he feels that his brother Timothy might look at him, at his sufferings, He's so strong in, in the things of Christ and embracing the cross that he feels that maybe if people that he raised up as evangelists and as pastors and as you know, shepherds over, over the flock might look or think of him in prison and then maybe think, well, you know what, that could happen to me. That could actually be a threatening situation. And maybe you've had the same, where you look at other super outgoing, maybe even overly spiritual, charismatic co-workers that were denied promotions. And you are now also there, and you go like, well, that, that person was very verbal about loving Christ at the workplace. Maybe I should be a little bit more strategic. And so that, this, these are very real things. They happened today, and they happened a couple of thousand years ago. And so Paul somehow senses that in his spirit, and 
under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he starts writing to Timothy, like, whatever happens, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Whatever happens, stand on your faith and think of your heritage. Otherwise, your inheritance is endangered. And whatever happens, be loyal to the faith. So the problem is that sometimes we work hard on our integrity at work and, and in our you know, in our studies, and, and we get bypassed. We somehow get overlooked. And then we see co-workers or other people around us who maybe don't follow Christ, and there is very little integrity to be found, and they get promoted. And then the, the response that you should have is one that needs some thought and some consideration um, before, before that other word, backsliding, um, comes popping up in the minds of other brothers and sisters around you. So how do we do it? Paul does it by a controlled life. That's the first thing. He talks about a sound mind, but you just read in verse 7, we have been given a spirit of... Uh, uh, not. Uh, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. And that self-discipline is translated um, into the New King James Version as a sound mind. So that means clear understanding and sound judgment. So what is not a sound mind? Not a sound mind is the tendency to let your mind wander, to not take every thought captive. And when you don't, when you let your mind wander, guess what? What happens is Satan will finish the picture for us. You, you get him going. You inspire the devil. You can actually do that. I believe it is theologically responsible to say that you can be great inspirators of, inspirators of the devil's work. If you let your mind wander, he will finish the picture. So that's not a sound mind. Also, not, is a, what is not a sound mind is when you operate by feelings. If you are led by circumstantial evidence. Yes, we have emotions and we use them and God uses them and Jesus had emotions for sure. But we are not led by emotions. We are motivated by love, not by emotions. And that's God's love. And so Paul also tells Timothy not to be ashamed or to testify. And he knew that there would be a tendency, therefore, for Timothy to shrink away. So this is very, these are very important lessons because when we don't have a controlled life, we also cannot control the power of God in our life. You see, when you want to unleash and release the power of God in your life, you need to have a controlled mind. You have to, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control amongst others. And so when you follow the, the clues and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you will, you, will feel, you will sense that more and more and more you are motivated by, by a godly response, by a love response, an agape response, and not an emotional definition um, of love to situation. And out there, the organizations that need your money are very good at feeding this thing. They advertise when they want your money, they, they put advertisements up of pictures of poor and hungry children. And so all of a sudden, we're motivated by emotions because there's a need around us. But Jesus also, in those three and a half years of ministry, didn't fulfill every need there was on the planet, or not, not even in his direct environment. He was motivated by love. He was focused on the love of the Father first, doing what he saw the Father doing, saying what he heard the Father saying, not more, not less. This is what it means to have a disciplined, controlled life, not go by impulse. 
That's the first thing that Paul teaches us here. Secondly, a confident life. Like I said earlier, he was so confident, such a strong belief in God. And this is very much what Headful Christian Church at the moment is all about. We're on a mission. We're a community on a mission. And, we, and how do we do it? We do it by an unwavering surrendering to Jesus. So we keep it steady. A strong belief, unmistakably, undeniably Jesus. And that's why I loved when you guys started singing some of my sermon points that I'm now leaving out one after the other, which is great, so you can go to your picnic earlier. <laughs> it's an unwavering surrendering to Jesus and an unconditional love of the Father. Non, it's, not, it's all non-negotiables. And last but not least, what is the third one? Anybody knows in this house who is a member here? The third one, third value of Headful Christian Church. Unwavering surrendering to Jesus, unconditional love of the Father, and... Oh. Hmm? Yeah, what, 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 what's the deal with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, being led, yeah, an unending power and guidance. It's the unending power of... So we've got unwavering and unconditional... And unending. Good. I see most of you have to sign up for a discipleship course at this church. You have no idea what we stand for in this church. Fascinating stuff. Cool. That's good. Because especially for the young adults uh, in October and in November, we've decided to do a, 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 a modular worship academy. Five Saturdays in the next six months. Uh, on, not on music ministry but on worship lifestyle, the very stuff I'm speaking about today. Through Pastor Gideon, we got together a couple of months ago, and we really felt would be good for, for, for the younger generations to actually reiterate like what, on what kind of a mission are we as a church, and how does that impact your life, and what hands and feet, how does that look like? What kind of tools do we need? And it's not a monologue, it's not like a booklet. I don't, I don't write booklets most of the time because I find the Bible is kind of a good booklet. So I bring the Bible and that's it. I'm not against other booklets, but just bring your Bible. That's great. So you'll get, you'll get, the, you know, get the announcements in the weeks to come. But you're welcome to maybe hear about the how. Like how are we embarking on this mission? And what are the values that come with it? And I'm mentioning these values because that's what Paul writes about. In verse 12 he says, For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day, when Jesus comes back, that is. So that's a confident life. So we need to learn how to become more purpose-driven and less driven by circumstances. We need to learn that many other plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's Proverbs 19. So know with confidence whose we are and what he can do. So not who we are, there's too much philosophy in that question, but whose we are. It's a question of belonging. So we are a child of God, and it is His ability that will see us through. So I struggled with these things that I'm speaking about tonight for the first five, six years of my journey with the Lord, which was 16, 16 years ago when I got radically saved. And then one guy walked up to me in some conference somewhere in the world, and he, he pointed at me and he said, you need to learn how to fly. So I'm like, sure, whatever. You know, prophetic people, they say the weirdest things. 
day two of the conference, he came to me again and looked me in the eyes like crazy bit, like, you, like with an index finger, like a griffermeerde dominee, like, you, like, yes, <laughs> you need to learn how to fly. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah amen, brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fly like an eagle, whatever, you know, a bold one. <laughs> third, third day of the conference, right? You need to learn how... And then he came onto the stage. I was playing drums for somebody who was in America, and I was like just hiding behind cymbals and tom-toms. And he came onto the stage, and we were talking to the worship leader there from, from Morningstar, and he was like... It's like I, thought, I got a little bit scared. I thought, okay, well, maybe he's got a word for everybody now, which is, would be great. So he took the mic from the worship leader and turns around to me behind the drums in front of thousands of people and goes like, God is saying, this man needs to learn how to fly. <laughs> and he hasn't been listening for the last two years, uh, two days. He said, not years. He wasn't that prophetic. Because I hadn't been listening for a couple of years. Yeah, that was true. So he had a word of knowledge, but he didn't know it was a word of knowledge, which was really cool for me, not for him. Um, so then, of course, I had the boldness to grab the mic from him, and we had a little dialogue right there on the stage. Everybody just looked like, what's going on here? I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't understand you. What do you mean I have to learn how to fly? He says, you, you have never done positive confessions. You've never stood up and actually daily exercised your spirit. I see you've exercised your musical gifting. You've exercised your drumming. You've exercised your body. You've exercised your intellect because I've heard you speak in a conference on worship theology and blah, 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 blah. And you've exercised your emotions. I can see you're a controlled man. You have a sound mind. And he quoted some things from Timothy that I'm now backfiring at you. Um, that's how it works in the ministry. Uh, the things that humble me now need to, some, need to humble someone in this room. So I feel better after 16 years. That's how it works. Um, that, that's the only reason. No, I'm kidding. We'll just edit this out of the recording. And he, and he says, you need to start confessing who you are. And so I was like, well, yeah, sure. So I started, and then he said, no, right now. And so everybody was listening. Not a nice moment for me. Um, so I said, yeah, I'm a beloved son of God. And, and then I, I didn't know anything more. He says, okay, after this session, I'll give you a printout of scriptures, of what the Bible says, who you are. And then every day from now on, just do yourself a favor and everybody else around you. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, and start speaking it out. Look in the mirror and, and, and use them. Just exercise your spirits. Don't just exercise your brain and exercise your body and your, your natural giftings. Which is a great blessing to the body. It's a great blessing for everybody. But he says, firstly, you need to bless God by pointing back to him whose you are and who you are in Christ Jesus. So... Like I said, there's, there's, no, there's no better redemptive moment for me of such an awkward, awkward thing that happened to me many years ago as when I share it with all of you and I make all of you do that tonight. So if you can please stand up. There we go. And on the screen, there will appear a number of scriptures that we're all going to um, scream out whisper out, or in whatever, whatever you, your Holy Spirit inside of you tells you to do. But I, what I want to do is I want the words tonight to give you that kind of confident life that Paul had. That's why we have the word. It is to exercise our spirit and to let it 
permeate and penetrate into our hearts and into our minds so it transforms us, so we renew our minds. Just And I used to do this. I had a copy of this on every mirror of every host family where I was in a traveling ministry for five and a half years. Every mirror of every bathroom, of every place in the world where I would put my head down at night. I had it in my stick bag. I had it in my... Uh, I, I even glued it on, on the side of a drum kit. I put it on my monitor instead of a set, li set list. I, I, would, I would take these things with me and in, and in that way allow the Holy Spirit to just tell me who I am. Because in the Bible I was just focused, and many of us, I know this for a fact, we are focused a lot on who God is, which is great. We worship Him for who He is. But if you don't, you can't love yourself after that. If you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus, that's your heritage. And since this is Heritage Day, I want to encourage you to now stand on your heritage and say, like, this is who I truly am. Set aside your education, your degrees, your personal desires. Set aside your life on earth. Let's be, let's be eternal thinkers right now in this very moment. And there we go. There we go. I am now God's child. I am born of the incorruptible seed of God's word. I am loved by Christ. I'm forgiven of all my sins. I'm justified of all things. I am the righteous of God. I am free from all condemnation. And start stirring it up. I can forget the past. Some of you need to hear this. I'm a new creature. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. So keep it holy. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. I am accepted in Christ. Next one. I am called by God. I am brought near by the blood of Christ. I am complete in Christ. I am delivered from the power of darkness. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am dead to sin. I am alive to God. I am raised up with Christ and seated in heavenly realms. I am a king and a priest to God. I am loved with an everlasting love. I am fit to partake of his inheritance. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I am healed by the wounds of Jesus. I am Christ Jesus by God's act. I am kept by God's power. I am sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I have everlasting life. I am crucified with Christ. I am a partaker of the divine nature. I have been given all things that pertain to life. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am reconciled to God. I am beloved of God. I am a saint. I am a head and not a tail. I am kept strong to the end. I am chosen. I overcome the world. I have a guaranteed inheritance. I'm a fellow citizen with the saints. I am free to dance. I always triumph in Christ. I am in Jesus Christ's hands. I am holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. So behave like it. Christ in me is the hope of glory. I have peace with God. I proclaim God's praise. I can do all things through Christ. I have all my needs met by guarding according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 
I shall do even greater works than Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 You can take a seat if you want to. This has helped me so much. This is just a little collection of scriptures, but man, in tough times, the tough don't get going. The tough become weak. You go like, Lord, speak to me on my knees. Study the words. Dig into the word of God and find these scriptures all over the pages. It's not just about who God is. It's also maybe even more living on earth, knowing, truly knowing who you are. This, I believe, I mean, Paul didn't quote half of these scriptures. They weren't, they weren't written yet. And two-thirds of the stuff is written by him um, in the rest of his life. But I believe when Paul and Silas were in prison, somehow lines like this, they would, have, they would have sang out and just they would have burst out in praise that made the doors to be blown out of their hinges. And thirdly and lastly, what we can learn from, from 2 James chapter 1 is not only a confident life, not only a controlled life, but as a good teacher coming up with the third word that starts with a C, and that is a committed life. In the last uh, verse that we read earlier, verse 12, it says, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him. So be loyal to your faith. It's not a part-time activity. I meet some, so many Christians today who have rented out space to God from their heart. They haven't given their whole heart to God. God is not owning the heart. You're renting out space. Some of you sitting here are renting out space to God right now. You think God is blessed just because you are who you are. God is truly blessed when you've given your heart, when He owns you. He has purchased you by the precious blood. So if you haven't died to self, if you haven't gotten yourself baptized, come to the front after the service, talk to somebody here from the team, get yourself baptized. Have the great experience of truly dying and therefore be eternally positioned and receiving this life in abundance. I I, I plead with you, because otherwise a committed life is actually not possible. If you haven't died to self yet, it will always be renting out space. And when you're renting out space to God, he can, then he is not the owner of the house, this temple. Which means he can't really do what he needs to do. You only can give permission so much, because you own yourself still. So Paul here writes, it's so, it's, it's so beautiful to see that he, he kind of goes like, Okay, don't be a bargain hunter in life. Don't rent out space to God. Don't look for bargains. Make the full investment. Don't try to get a little bit of investment and a high return, like we scheme our way through, lives, through our lives often in the 21st century. There are no victories at discount prices. It's either or. A lot of things in life are both and. This is either or. There's no victory at a, at a discount price with God. Because he gave it all, you see. He didn't do half measures when Jesus came down and died for us. So, concluding, um, since the worship team sang the rest of my sermon, I just want to say this. When you think of the three miracles that happened when Jesus walked on the water, miracle number one, she saw at 3 o'clock in the morning, on the fourth watch of the night, the Bible says, he saw the disciples from more or less three kilometers away, struggling in a little boat on the lake while he was on top of a mountain. That's miracle number one. Supernatural sight. 
God never loses you. you. You are never out of His sight, ever. He will do whatever it takes. Jesus was the one who sent, compelled, forced the disciples to go into the boat. They didn't go in the boat voluntarily. They were professional fishermen, some of them. They could read the weather signs without an app and stuff. Just going, we should not get in the boat. Jesus goes, I want you to go in the boat. I go and climb a mountain. He sent all the crowd, the crowd home after the loaves and the fishes and all of that story. He went up to pray on the mountain, top of the mountain, and the weather was going completely wrong. And Jesus saw all of this because he was also in bad weather on top of the mountain. And he let them struggle. How's that? <laughs> Till 3 a.m., like almost drowning. And then the Bible says, and then he saw them struggling. Yeah, right. He, he sent them there in the first place. <laughs> when you follow Jesus, you get into trouble. Don't blame Satan too easily. Don't give him that kind of attention. It might be the Lord wanting you to get into a boat, knowingly that the weather is not going to be great. But this same father sends his son Jesus on the mountain to pray. But at 3 o'clock in the morning, he gets like supernatural sight. And he sees the disciples struggling all of a sudden. Uh, whether this is a real miracle or he just felt like, okay, maybe I should help them now. I don't want them to drown. Or, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But I think it's a real miracle. It's, it's, some, it's something, something strange that you might not have ever thought about. Because everybody goes like, oh, he walked on the water. I'm going like, he saw them struggling while the, while the wind was whipping up the waves. And it was pitch black, bad weather in the middle of the night from a distance of three kilometers from the top of the mountain. That for me is a miracle. Yeah, yeah, walking in water is also quite unusual. And it's a, it's a miracle for sure. But I mean, there are, there are many more miracles when we don't think just you know what the miracles are in the Bible. There are miracles there between the lines. This is one of them. Then you have the miracle of walking on the water. And then there's the third miracle because he, he calmed the storm. And that was the second time already that he calmed the storm um, while they were in the boat. So they were kind of hard learners like most of us. I identify a lot with the disciples, particularly Peter. Um, but my issue is you are never out of God's sight. Secondly, the second miracle comes and he walks on the water and he starts reaching out. You are never out of God's reach. That's what that miracle says. And then thirdly, he calms the storm. And so the third miracle is you are never out of God's care. So if confidence you're not making it in the confidence department. Everything I've said the first half an hour of the sermon, you go, I'm just not there, Gerben. I wasn't there for many years until I started doing positive confessions through the scriptures. Like it's like a Christian haka or something. Like, come on. It's like do, do, do warfare with yourself. Come on, get yourself. See, that, that is, that is, that's, that's, that's different than the tough get going. It's actually realizing that you're weak and the scriptures and the word of the Lord and his promises get you going. Not me, I myself, I or Irene, if you like the movie. You are never out of God's sight. You are never out of God's reach. You are never out of God's care. And then they got in the boat. And then what happens because of that revelation of the, those three miracles, they get to the other side. And then the Bible says, Everybody that was brought to Jesus that was sick, every single person got healed. 
It's not even an account in the Bible anymore. They couldn't kept, keep track. It wasn't like one little miracle there. Or one. It's like every single person was brought to Jesus was supernatural healed. Because the people saw what was happening and there was so much faith. The people had more faith, I think, than the disciples. They were primarily confused in those years. But we can learn from that. He is so in control. So if you fail the control that we spoke about from Timothy, he knows that he is the master in control. He's the master of control because he's all knowing. He's the master of commitment. He can teach you about commitment, a few things. We call it unconditional love. That's, that's a commitment and a half. He is all present. That's why we call God omnipresent, omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. So he is all knowing, he's all present, and he's all powerful. He's the master of confidence. So if you want to re remember anything of what I've said today, then go to the three miracles in, in, in Mark. And read the story of Jesus walking on the water. But don't forget that there was a miracle preceding that and a miracle following up on the walking on the water. The, water on the wa walking on the water is a spectacular one. But the other ones show that God cares, not just reaches out. He also cares. There's an aftercare with God. It's not just a reaching. We can learn from that. Also as churches, also as you know, called by God. Don't just reach out to people who need God. Also, care for them afterwards. Don't do an outreach only. Do an outreach, care, reach, out, care. Yeah, that thing. Care. And make sure you represent God well. So, Father, I pray that we would, in this very moment, let us sink in deeply. That we're never out of your sight. Because you're all-knowing. We're never out of your reach because you're all present. We're never out of your care because you're all powerful. All powerful. You never abandon us. You're also all loving. You know our troubles and you will rescue us in your perfect timing. Whether it is in the first half of the night, the storm of our lives, or later in the last quarter of the night. When the going gets tough, it's an opportunity for growing, Lord. Help us to boast in our weaknesses and be careful boosting them in our own strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy your picnic. If you need prayer, if there's anything in the area of... Uh, we still have announcements, yes. This whole service is one big announcement, but we have even more announcements. We announce how good God is through our activities. And after that, if you need prayer, if, if there's anything that um, came through the time of worship, or even the time of offering, or the sharing of the word, if you need prayer in the area of commitment, or confidence, or any of the things I've shared, please feel free to come forward, and I'll gladly lay my hands on you and stir up some gifts coming from above. Amen. <laughs>